Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. Thank you for being here. Well, today is kind of a show-and-tell episode. People always ask me, well, who are some of my major influences growing up? And I was a big radio nerd. I mean, I loved television and I loved stand-up comics, but I was also really inspired by some gentlemen who were on the radio. And so I thought what I would do today is talk about some of them and play you examples so maybe you too can either be introduced to these guys or hear them and appreciate them yourself. So I have four that I'm going to play for you today. And the first one is Vin Scully. Now, Vin Scully, you know, is the longtime 67-year voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he is pretty much the Mozart of baseball play-by-play. What I want to play for you now is Vin Scully from 1959. This was only the second year that the Dodgers were in Los Angeles. And you don't have to be a baseball fan to follow this. In fact, it's about an argument that takes place on the field. And you don't even have to really follow the particulars of the argument. The thing I want you to listen for is just how amazingly descriptive he is. I mean, you would listen to this and imagine that it was scripted. It's hard to believe that off the top of his head, he could be so articulate and so interesting as to describe this argument going on in the field. Okay, and it's a, a baseball argument. There are baseball arguments all the time. So what? But if you were driving home and you were listening to this and you reached your house about halfway through the argument, I guarantee you, you would not turn off the radio and go inside. You would sit in your driveway and listen for the conclusion of this argument because Vince Scully was so spellbinding. So here, from 1959, is Vin Scully. Drysdale ready and the 1-1 pitch. Curveball cut on is a high fly ball right down the left field line. Right on the line, hits the foul pole and kicks foul. 
That's just about as foul as you can get without being fair. Willie Mays hit the foul pole and it kicked off in foul ground. Rigney is telling Mays to trot all the way around. Sully Parker and Bill Rigney appealing to third base umpire Dusty Bodges. And now they're going to wave Mays around. And here come the Dodgers after Bodges. If you know the Coliseum at all, and you know the girder that supports the screen right down the left field line, Willie Mays hit a fly ball that actually hit that girder and then kicked off into foul territory. At first, Dusty Bodges called it foul. But Rigney told Mays to go around anyway, and after Rigney and Sawley Parker got into the discussion, Badia suddenly rolled home run. The Dodgers came racing out of the dugout. A firecracker goes off back of home plate like to scare everybody out of 10 years' growth. And the argument continues directly back of third base along the line. All four umpires, along with a heated group of Dodgers, and the rhubarb continues about 30 feet down the line. So Willie Mays, who is normally causing a lot of noise, either at the Coliseum or Seal Stadium, has now really set off a bomb here at the Coliseum. When you look at that girder down the left field line, there are many cables and wires that make it a very tough spot to look at. No doubt the Dodger contention is that the ball hit one of the wires to make it foul. But Bajas is now sticking to his guns. Drysdale is so mad he almost kicked 20 feet of the Coliseum out of the park. Gil Hodges right now is jaw to jaw with Dusty Bajas. Gil pointing first with his left hand, then with his right hand. Drysdale appealing to the gods right now. He just wants to holler at anybody who'll listen. Don Zimmer is arguing with Tommy Gorman. The other three umpires now leave Bajes alone, and he is in the midst of lions. Don Zimmer, Don Drysdale, Walter Alston, Gil Hodges, and Wally Moon are blistering Bajes, and Dusty every now and then seems to punctuate a Dodger sentence by pointing with his left hand to that left field foul pole. At the very top of the foul pole, there are two slanting guide wires. One goes from the top of the pole to the right down to the screen, and the other one goes from the top to the left down to the, toward the stands. The Dodger contention is that the ball hit the guide wire going to the left and would be fouled. Alston and Hodges and Zimmer and Moon continue to appeal. Gorman now tells Hodges to walk away, but Hodges goes right after Gorman. Zimmer will be hoarse in another two minutes. The veins on each side of his neck bulging out like the cable that actually holds up the left field screen. Bajes sticking to his guns, the Dodgers continue to appeal, but Mays has touched all the bases and will come in with a home run. Foreman, who is the captain of this umpiring quartet, has now summoned Bill Rigney out of the giant dugout, and both Gorman and Sawley Parker are flanking Bill Rigney, and of course Gorman doing all the talking. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are still around Bajes at third, but watching Rigney's reaction, 
It looks like Gorman is going to call it foul. And Rigney is about ready to eat his glasses. Alston has walked away like a Philadelphia lawyer who has just won his case. Rigney slams his hat down and the gray hair is glistening under the lights. Bill is now going jaw to jaw with Bodges. Now he kicks at the dirt. Hands on his hips, left hand thrown high in the air. Ed Sudol comes in to quiet the giant manager down. Rigney's left hand, then his right hand up in the air. Now his hat is back on. So first the Dodgers appeal and walk away, and now it's Rigney's turn to be on the griddle. All four umpires appear to be trying to placate Rigney. Presenting their case, the giant manager now starting to walk around, slamming his hands together, pointing with the right hand, then with the left. Now a big sweeping gesture with the left hand. Gorman comes after him now as if Rigney must have touched a nerve, and Gorman goes chewing right back after the giant manager. Rigney now goes after Gorman, points with his left hand to that girder. Gorman answers with a right-handed gesture. Rigney bows at the waist with a sweeping right hand. And Gorman and Rigney are really going at it. Bajes comes over, and Rigney, like a mad traffic cop now, with a right hand, indicating that all the umpires are mad. Rigney kicks at the dirt, walks away with a hopeless gesture of both hands. Willie Mays comes out. Rigney drapes his left arm around Mays's shoulder and sends him to go to second base. I'll meet you halfway, and what a riot. First it was ruled foul. Then it was ruled fair. Then the Dodgers won half a case and got Mays to go to second base. As soon as we get the ground rules on this particular play off the back of a batting card, we can pass them along. Willie Mays hits the loudest double ever heard in Southern California or in the United States for that matter. Rigney now comes to argue with the plate umpire, Ed Sudol. Sudol pointing with his right hand towards the screen. Rigney pointing with his right hand, let's say, towards the Dodger dugout. Now Sully Parker comes down, and it's Rigney with his head just jerking a mile a minute, and now Sudol wants to talk to third base umpire Dusty Bodges. It's a fight, a blow-by-blow verbal battle. Rigney has Bodges on his left and Sudol on his right, and right now Rigney is laying down the law, and the umpires come right back with words and gestures. Sully Parker, third base coach, with his arms folded across his chest, just listening right now. Rigney is concentrating his verbal fire on third base umpire Dusty Bodges. Sudol is now trying to draw some of the wrath of the giant manager, but Bill wants to stay with Bodges. Rigney now whirls, and since Sudol is walking towards the plate, Bill starts to go after him, then turns and goes back after Bodges. Willie Mays, the cause of it all, at least he hit the ball, standing quietly at second base. Tommy Gorman and Ed Sudol have a meeting halfway between home plate and first base. Bodges has his hands full with both Rigney and Sawley Parker. We will have to wait to get the actual and official clarification. Walter Alston has come out of the Dodger dugout, and in the runway leading back towards the tunnel, he is now talking to Buzzy Bavese, the Dodgers' vice president. 
Rigney is exploding at Bajes, so Gorman and Sudol are coming over again trying to bail out Dusty. Gorman talking to Rigney. Rigney turns and starts to walk away, gives a big gesture with his hands, and Gorman comes back with the same gesture. Now, plate umpire Ed Sudol has hollered up to the press box that the Giants will play the ball game under protest, and it must be announced to the crowd. Listen, here comes the announcement. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> and to think, he did that every night for 67 years. That's the great Vin Scully. Next up, I've got a couple of my favorite disc jockeys from the Top 40 era. They're very different, very, very different, but they both had a huge impact on me. First up is Dan Ingram from WABC New York. Now, I grew up in Los Angeles, okay, and I still think that Dan Ingram is the single greatest disc jockey of all time. Everything he did was right off the top of his head. And it's kind of like word jazz. It's, it's just amazing. And when you think of how cliche most top 40 disc jockeys were, well, it makes his content even stand out more. Sadly, he passed away last year, but here he is in his prime on WABC New York. This is the great Dan Ingram. Now, the most music on WABC New York. It is our wish that there will be no opening today. We make you want to be one of them Caesar guys, remember? Come on. I desire divine presence here, which desires the nubile maidens to be brought forth. <laughs> Boy, could I have been decadent. It's the strictures of modern life and, and incipient poverty that keeps me from living the way I would like to if I could, you know, really get an iron with complete power. Well, never mind. Enough fantasy. Back down to grubbing for a living. This Grand Funk Railroad, we're American band. Super music power radio in New York town, my dear. Hey, listen, here's a very important announcement about the clam. Yes, Doxy. The people who dig the tenderest, sweetest clams in the North Atlantic have found a new exciting way to improve on the simple clam. It is called the frozen stuffed clam. Yes, Doxy makes them by stuffing frozen clams. Well, let me read ahead here. Yes. Oh, I see how they do it. Ah, they chop up their clams and they mix them with fancy spices and imported cheese, gang, according to a secret recipe they have. The Doxy folks found this old European recipe in a 170-year-old book, which was lost in the stacks of a famous library owned by the evil Dr. Sivana. When Captain... Oh, where am I doing it? Anyway, they spent a year and a half improving on it because a 170-year-old recipe, that's <laughs> pretty gamey. Anyway, the Doxy people made the simple clam into a great stuffed clam, and then they went right on improving. Instead of using old-fashioned ocean-type seashells, they stuffed nifty little aluminum shells. You pop them in the oven, and in minutes, you've got melted aluminum. No, no, you have piping hot hors d'oeuvres for a, for a great first course. Uh, it's, it's just delicious for a first course. And at this point, the doxy frozen stuffed clams probably can't be improved upon. D-O-X-S-E-E. -E. Uh, dig a few doxy frozen stuffed clams at home tonight, huh? Wow! Woo! Wow! 77 W-A-B-C. Music, wow! 
Biff Bam and all those things. Clear and freezing temperatures tonight, about 5 to 10 above. Zero in the suburbs, which will, you know, teach you to move out of town. And way below the zero mark in the normally colder interior areas. <laughs> Do you have a cold interior? Oh, my, yes. Sorry about that, my dear. Sunday, Saturday is going to be fair in the morning and then cloudy in the afternoon with a high 25 to 30. Right now, it's 22 sunny WABC degrees. Oh, hey, our honor group of the day are people with mustaches. If you have a mustache, you're in the honor group of the day, even if you just have a little fuzz, my dear, you know. Speaking of a little fuzz, that's a midget cop. No, uh, I, we got some more of these great comedy lines that came in the mail from somebody who wants me to subscribe. I don't use anything like that, but this I thought I'd read a couple of these great comedy lines from Offbeat Images in Brooklyn. And here's one. Uh, Remember, you can lead a horse to liquor, but you can't make him drink. That's a great comedy line. Question of the day, if a Boy Scout pitches his tent on the top of a stove, does he really have a home on the range? My grandfather is very romantic. He sends Grandma a bouquet of prunes every day. Well, those are the gems, folks. I'd suggest uh, the chap who writes that to go into the aluminum screen business. We'll see you tomorrow. Dan Ingram from WABC New York. And in addition to everything else, what a great voice that guy had. And it's a voice that you have heard all your life because Dan Ingram was also a voiceover artist and he did many, many radio and TV commercials. So you knew who he was, but you didn't know the name. Okay, now we're going to go 3,000 miles west to Los Angeles. And this is the guy who I grew up listening to back in the 60s in my impressionable days. This is the real Don Steele on KHJ Los Angeles. He was truly an original. Nobody projected excitement and presence on the radio better than the real Don Steele. And, of course, there's a lot of screaming high-energy disc jockeys, and they all tried to be the real Don Steele, but what they didn't have was his mind. I mean, if you listen to a real Don Steele show, the little asides that he would throw in were just hilarious. And he also had this great knack with reading copy. Back in those days, the disc jockeys had to read a lot of live copy. And anytime he would read something that he knew was bullshit, he managed just by the tone of his voice, just by his inflections to convey to the cool kids that what he was talking about was utter nonsense. You will hear an example of that. And of course, we were all the cool kids. So this is In His Glory from 1968, I believe, the real Don Steele on KHJ Los Angeles. Boss at about 324 at KHJ of the Real Don Steel Show. What do you say? You want to be the prettiest, sunniest blonde in town? Well, of course you do. Well, you listen to this now. Come to the sunshine. You know that you won't know it is the sun. It's Summer Blonde by Clairol. The sun did it. That's the 
Super Cop Out. Mojave goes from 0 to 30 in 1.8 seconds, but the down payment remains at zeros. Can you dig it? Huh? Well, you check it, and you can catch it at your nearest Montgomery Ward Auto Center, open every night until 9. The real Don Steele, 93 KHJ. Beatles, total demand for the boss line. Say it, gonna play at 339 at KHJ and the real Don Steele show. Second of man. The Vagabond, attention now, the Vagabond class of 1958 of University High will hold a reunion June 22nd. Oh, but you'll get to look at everybody's uh, hair thinning and see if uh, if Jane really was a victim of baby fat. We'll find out for sure now. For information and reservations, you phone 478-2370. KHJ, boss, hit the... Diana Ross and the Supremes. Settle for less. 93 KHJ Golden. Robert Maxwell and his vanilla harp and Shangri-La. Yes, and we've got is alive. Fun, thrill, kick dance to this. If you win, if you are driving, pull over to the right, get out of your car, and get it out of your system. Hope the On the real dot steel show. Cook it. Monkeys, baby, monkeys. Right here, the real dot steel show. You heard a world for Mayor D.W. Washburn, 452 at KHJ. Hard shell turtle white. Oh, yeah. I, boy, I wish I, boy, I, I, boy, I, I want to rub it on myself. See the broad, on my face. See the Broadway music going, rah. See the Broadway musical Guys and Dolls now through June 1st at the UCLA Playhouse. You find, I'm not going to try for it. Granted, 87578 for reservations. I've been faking it all along. The real Don Steele, 93 KHJ. Stand. I, well, if, uh, right, you bet it's truer words were 456 at KHJ on the Real Down Steel Show. Uh, nobody yet, in case you've been wondering, nobody yet has solved the mystery at Marineland. The mystery is simply this How do those dolphins manage. <laughs> How do those darn dolphins manage such perfect timing that they all fly out of the water in unison? Well, you figure it out, kid, and you win a can of sardines. One little boy said they have little alarms on their wristwatches, and uh, he didn't win anything. And I don't want to tell you what happened to him later, but he did enjoy in front seeing the whales and porpoises and seals all performing in Marine Land's Three Ring Sea Circus. And by the way, if you should happen to win the sardines, they are in the tank with the octopus. Come and enjoy the many mysteries of the sea at Marineland on the coast between Redondo Beach and San Pedro, open 10 a.m. until sunset. Yes. It's the water that makes Oli the right beer. Olivia Brewing Company, Tumwater, Washington. The Big 93. 
Association. That is the real Don Steele. Happy to say I got a chance to work with him twice. I followed him on two radio stations later on in the 70s, K100 and 10Q, and we became friends. And one of my most cherished memories is the real Don Steele having dinner at my house and getting so loaded that he fell off our couch. That's a very cherished memory. Okay, finally... A disc jockey who did very funny bits and very funny phone calls. His name is Gary Burbank, and for many years, he was the afternoon drive jock on WLW in Cincinnati. And that's one of those clear channel radio stations that covers like 47 states. So lots of people in the Midwest know who I'm talking about when I mention Gary Burbank. Now, a lot of disc jockeys did funny phone calls. Uh, Rick D's and people like that. And most of them were really lame. But Gary Burbank not only had the ability to create these absurd situations, but he was able to keep the guys on the line. You know, because, you know, you make a funny phone call. And after a while, the person in customer service or whatever figures out that this is a prank and they hang up on you. But he managed to be just believable enough that he was able to keep these guys on the line and complete the bits. You also see how articulate he is. Uh, It's just fantastic. One of my favorites. I love Gary Burbank. Now, the character that he always uses in these phone calls is Gilbert Gnarly. In this case, Gilbert Gnarly is calling Sears, the now departed Sears, with a complaint. Here's Gary Burbank. Yes, I'd like to bring something to the attention of the complaint department, please. Rick Bellavia. Yes, my name is Gilbert Gnarly, G-N-A-R-L-E-Y. I'm sorry, last name again spelled it? Uh, G-N-A-R-L-E-Y. Okay, sir, and the first name? Uh, Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T. Some people use the French pronunciation Gilbert. I don't do that, yes. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to return a product that I purchased, and uh, I'm calling to, uh, to state my case, first of all, being a long-time shopper of Sears and trusting the integrity of the company. Well, have you brought this to the attention of the manager of the store that you purchased it from? No, I thought I would just go right straight to the top. I think this product should be taken off the shelves, and I think that Sears' credibility depends on this. And I, I feel that I was probably the first person to discover the glitch, and I feel it's my duty as an aware consumer to bring it to your attention. What is the product that you're discussing? Now, I don't mean to be nitpicky about this, and some people may think this is nitpicky, but I think picking nits is the cornerstone of the foundation of retail sales. Would you agree? We all have our opinions on merchandise. Right. right. I mean, you could go to a wholesaler, but you wouldn't get that personal guarantee that's symbolic of Sears. What, what is the product that you're talking about, though? I, I could possibly buy this product from a, a vendor at half price on the street, but I don't get that service and years of experience I've come to expect from a reputable outlet like yours. Can you give me some facts on it, sir? I've always felt that Sears has always meant to be the pinnacle of quality, the uh, the summit of service, Thank the, you, sir. the apex of value. Well, hopefully we can help you out with the situation. The, uh, the vortex of dependability. The, the Velcro of stick to I've always felt this. I purchased from you 
a solar power calculator is from your catalog. Now, as you know... Did you purchase it, sir? Now, you know a solar power calculator is energized by what? Well, I would take it's energized by the sun. Do you know the sun will burn itself out in six and one half billion years? And I want to know where this leaves me. Can I have you, you know, what, what it seems to be... Uh, you're saying the calculator is working fine. It's perfect. I mean, it's working just perfect right now. Okay. You're not happy with it? I'm very happy with the way it works right now, but you have to realize that if this article in Omni Magazine is true, it will burn itself out in six and a half billion years. Don't we'll worry about the product, I guess, in six and a half billion years. Yeah. Right now, we're working with a prob no problem at all on your calculator? Oh, nothing whatsoever wrong now, but I'm thinking about it in the future. Well, as a, as a consumer, then, I would be satisfied if you put a label on the, on the uh, side of the calculator which stated... Warning, the sun will burn itself out in six and a half billion years, and this thing will go on to Fritz. What happens to me? What kind of deal is this? Uh, I, if it suns burns itself out, we wouldn't have a future, sir. So. That's that's true, but, you know, I'd like to pass this, this uh, calculator, you know, on down and maybe become an heirloom, you know. After that, uh, what, what, you know, is there anything we can do to help you out, though, sir? Oh, no, it, it, unless you can maybe disprove this theory about the sun burning itself out, it would make me feel okay. a lot better. At all on the subject. <laughs> sir? I have no theories at all on the subject. Yeah. Well, do you read Omni Magazine? Well, sir, you know, again, in the personal situation, you know, what I read is uh, irrelevant uh, to the situation. You're talking about a, uh, a, a item that you had purchased from Sears, and we do offer satisfaction guarantee to your money back. In other words, in, in, in six and a half billion years, this could be brought back to Sears and, and replaced with uh, non-solar powered. But if the sun very honest with out. you, and not to be sarcastic, I'm not going to worry about what happens six and a half billion years from now, sir. That's very short-sighted of you, and we as parents must must think of your children's children's children's. Children. It's children's 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 children. There's nothing to really worry about. It's children's 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 children. It's children's children. It's children's children. It's children. Etc. Ipso fatso vis a vis a deo dominus deo deo. Daylight comes and they want to go home. I think that's going to be the last thing on their minds. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm... I understand, sir, and you have a very nice day now. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay. And that is my look back at radio. Radio is pretty much dead these days. It's hard to believe that growing up in the 50s and 60s and 70s, if you were a creative person, radio was a viable outlet. You wanted to be on the radio. You wanted to be creative on the radio. Today, I just can't imagine any kid who is 17, 18 years old giving a shit about what is on the terrestrial radio. Maybe you want to be Howard Stern. I don't know. But other than that, boy, there's nothing. And I miss it. I really do. And now I'm podcasting. I'm moving on to the next frontier of audio. 
Thanks to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, as always, and to Howard Hoffman and to John Wolfert. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. If you want to send me an email, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. You can also visit my website, kenlevineplays.com, and maybe I have a play that your theater will want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah, the five-star review plug. Okay, I got that in. Subscribe. Okay, I got that in. Uh, Oh, I mentioned uh, that I'm on Instagram. No, I didn't. I have to get that plug in. I'm on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. That's it. That's all of the plugs. Thanks so much for listening. Back again next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine.